0: Notebooks. Yeah, I'm telling you, I hear you. Get out your notebooks and get ready. Uh, And I'm going to pray one more time just that the Lord speaks instead of me because we all know it'd be really bad if I spoke. It's a whole lot better if he speaks. So, uh, Lord, we just come to you right now and we say we are ready for you to do what you need to do. And uh, God, I pray right now that as we read your word, that uh, you would speak to us. God, as we go through some practical stuff for our marriages, I just pray that you would have your way. God, um, we need you to move in our lives, and, and no matter how good we think we're doing, we still need you to move in our lives equally as much. And so, God, right now, we just lay down our own, our own thoughts, we lay down our own plans, and we say, make your plans in our marriage, uh, God, and, and guide us the way that you want to guide us, Lord. Let us be open to what you want to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Um, so I want us to know right off the bat tonight what we're going to talk about is what we've gotten ourselves into here. When you signed up to get married, you got into a fight, and you may not know it, but you got up into a fight the minute that you said, I do, the minute that you committed to each other, you committed to fight. Now, you did not commit to fight each other. Let me clarify. You are not fighting each other. And we're going to be talking tonight about putting up your dukes. And you guys know boxers, and you can, I think of these old cartoons that's like, let me at them, you know, like, put up your dukes. But you can think of a boxer in his stance and he's prepared. He's prepared for the offensive and he's prepared for the defensive to block what's coming at him. And when you got married, you, you signed up to be on the offensive and on the defensive and to fight for your marriage, to fight for relationship. How many of you guys know that anything good that you do in your life takes a fight? It takes an effort on your part. The things that mean the most to you are the things that you fight for. And so often we forget that marriage is a fight. It's something that we've got to strive to do our part in. We've got to strive to make sure that we have a right relationship with the Lord. It's a fight. It's something that we need to make sure we're checked into all the time. And like I said, the fight is not against your spouse. I don't care how many plates you've thrown at each other or socks your husband's left in the floor. because wives never do that stuff. Or, or whatever. I don't care how many arguments you have. The fight is not against Your spouse, I want you to look at your spouse and say, it's not you, babe. It's not you, babe. The fight is not against our spouse. Here's what God's word says in Ephesians. It says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We've got a fight on our hands in this life, and it's not some mamby-pamby cat fight. We didn't just get into some little bitty thing. This is a, it's a real stuff. You guys are dealing with real stuff in your marriages on a day-to-day basis. I know. You're dealing with real things and real issues, and everybody's got stuff. And I love how the message says this same scripture. I want to read this. this. is so cool. I think you guys will enjoy this. And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we will walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. In our personal lives and in our marriages, we are in a fight. It's relentless. This enemy that we're up against would love nothing more than to destroy what God is trying to do in our lives. He would love nothing more than to get in and get his gritty hands in our lives and mess up what God has called us to do. Satan's plan for marriage is to slaughter it. Satan's plan is to snuff it out. It's to steal your joy and kill your passion and destroy your marriage and your life. But God, everybody say, but God. God has got a better plan than that. God has given us, he's equipped us. You saw it in this verse. He equipped us with the tools and materials that we need to fight, and not just fight, but to win. And, and we have to be engaged in this plan as couples, together, to see it come to pass. we got to put up our dukes. And, and we saw that in the, in the message translation, it was so cool. It said that God is strong, and he wants us to be strong. And so he's given us the tools. Don't you love it when you go into a project and you have all the tools that you need laid out for you. I mean, you can imagine like a surgeon, he goes in to perform surgery and there everything is laid out for him. It's prepared, it's cleaned, it's ready to go and he can do his job with excellence. Can I tell you, stop freaking out because God has given you the tools that you need to have a successful marriage, amen? He's given you exactly what... You need, he's given you his word. He's given you his spirit. He's given you people around you that can build you up. He's given you testimonies to listen to of what God has done in other people's lives. God has given you all the equipment, all the tools that we need to defeat the enemy and snuff out the nonsense and the noise that the enemy wants to bring. And part of the plan for debating the enemy and us putting our, our, our dukes up is just knowing the enemy's tactics. You guys know if you get into a fight, and you know what you're up against, you're going to fare so much better. You're going to fare, and you think of a boxer, he studies his opponent. Any good boxer, any successful boxer, or really any sport, you can apply this to anything, they know their opponent, they spend time watching film, they spend time studying the tactics of the enemy, and he knows what his most common combos are as a fighter. A boxer will know what his enemy's most common combos are. And For us as believers, here's something we've got to keep in mind. The most logical fight the enemy is going to pick is the fight for relationship. The most logical fight the enemy will pick is the fight for relationship. If we want to know our enemy's tactics, it's pretty easy. He's been doing the same thing for a long dang time. He's been attacking relationship from the get-go. And what's the most logical relationship for the enemy to attack here on earth, what? Marriage, that's right. The most intimate, deepest connection that the Lord has allowed us to have other than the connection with him is marriage. So why in the world would the enemy not attack marriages? And it's so obvious and you look back and you're like, well, duh. But so often he sneaks up on us and the next thing you know, we're reeling. We've been, we've been hit with a left hook because we forget the enemy is attacking marriage. That's what he wants to attack. It's the most intimate connection that we have. It's the most logical way for him to attack. He's been doing it since the beginning of mankind. Think back to the very beginning, that couple named Adam and Eve, right at the front of the book, front of the word, you you see Satan getting his hands in and manipulating relationships right off the bat. And he did it in Genesis 3. We read about it. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's the only fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the certain serpent replied to the woman. God knows That your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give to her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. It's so crazy, the the thing that it took, all that it took for Eve and then eventually Adam to lose and to break relationship with the Lord was one question. That's That's all it took, that question. Did God really say? Did God really say that? That one little subtle piece of doubt is all it took to break that relationship, that intimate relationship that Adam and Eve had with their father, who had given them everything. He provided everything for them. He set up everything for them for success. And all it took was the serpent, or for Satan to ask one question. Did God really Did God really say that? Are you sure that God promised you this? Are you sure that God does, doesn't really care about this? Are you sure that God really does care if you eat this tree that He told you not to eat? And, like, I, I'm thinking, like, it wasn't even... Like, the, the fruit wasn't even what it was for Eve. We always picture an apple in this scenario. You know, it's like you always think of Eve eating an apple, but I'm thinking, like, it had to be way more enticing than an apple. It had to be, like, some kind of caramel dipped, like, goodness with, like, sugar and, like, some kind of amazing drizzle of some sort made of chocolate for Eve to make a, this big a mistake. But it's for a piece of fruit. But that's not even, it was the question that got Eve sideways. And then her husband, ride along with her. And I want to ask you a question. Just like for Eve, that one question, did God really say, is the thing that broke a relationship with her. What is the one question that makes you break relationship, either with God or with your spouse? What is that one lie? What is that one thing the enemy has been telling you about your marriage that's not true, and it's not what God has promised you, but yet you're running with it and you're believing it? What is that one thing the enemy is using to break relationship with you and your spouse. It's a lie. Satan is a manipulator. He's a liar. And I feel like, I want, I want you to kind of go with me for a second. It's going to sound kind of ridiculous, but what if Adam and Eve would have thought through, or what if they would have been able to know way down the road the pain that this was going to cause? I mean, I think they knew, probably they knew deep down within, them. there's, Something not good is going to happen. I mean, I'm sure there was something. But what if they really were able to see all of the pain for so many generations that it would cause for them to start doubting what God had told them? And for this one question to take root in their lives, what if they would have seen the pain that was going to be caused? I feel like they would have made a different choice. If they would have considered the outcome, I feel like they would have made a different choice. And that's something I want us to keep in mind tonight. We have to begin with the end in mind. We have to begin with the end in mind. I want to ask you, have you ever sat down with your spouse and talked about what the goal of your marriage is at all? Because I know, like, we, we never did that. We didn't do that for a long darn time and until the stuff hit the fan in our life. We didn't talk about that. And like, what is the goal of marriage? Have you ever thought about that? What is the goal of marriage? Why are we doing this? What's the outcome that we want to see? Because in order for something to be successful, you have to begin with the end in mind. What kind of legacy are you wanting to leave? And I want to tell you too, for those of you that have kids, obviously you're leaving a legacy for future generations and your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids and all that stuff. And I'm believing for you guys to see some awesome things with your future generations. But even for you guys that don't have kids or you guys that aren't gonna have kids, you know what? That's okay. You're not the devil because you don't have kids. Can I get an amen? It's okay. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You can still leave a legacy. Just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you don't have a legacy because there are couples all around you that you encounter every single day. It's bigger than us, guys. It's bigger than us. There are couples that get to see Christ's love for the church through our marriages. There are couples that get to see God's grace exercised through our marriages. And so we can leave a legacy whether we have kids or not. God has called us to do that. We have a great ending and a great goal in mind. Ultimately, we get to give God glory at the end of our marriage. I want I want me and Bethany to get to the end of our marriage and be able to say, man, we, we brought God glory through our marriage. And we pointed to him when things that were good happened and things, when things were bad and we trusted in him, we pointed to him. I want us to be able to say that. And, and are we able to say that 100% of the time right now? Absolutely not. There are things that God is working in us and working in our own hearts to get right. But I want us to be able to get to the end of our marriage and say that, don't you, babe? I want to I be able to do that. Get to the end and, and somebody be able to say, their marriage glorified God. I saw God in their marriage. For us to be successful in marriage or in life, we've got to begin with the end in mind. And um, I'm sure we have some folks in the room. How many of you guys, You can. T- this is the moment where you can tell tell on your spouse, has your spouse ever done anything where they didn't plan so well? Anybody ever done that? Like my spouse never does that. No. Yeah, you're you're. he's going home. He's sleeping on the couch tonight. I'm just kidding, Tyler. Love you, bud. No, <laughs> how many of you guys have done that yourself where you get, maybe you're planning a vacation or whatever and you didn't really, Plan it all the way as much as you should have, and you learn a lesson from it. I've done that many times. You get into something and you didn't think it through all the way. (laughs) And that's my next point. It goes with begin with the end in mind. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. We're not going to happen into good marriages. We're not just going to meander our way and walk through some fairy dust and everything be magical in our marriage. That's not the way this works we got to put up our dukes. we got to get ready to fight. we got to do our part. We have to prepare. And if we don't prepare, we're not going to make it. We've got to do our part. You hear uh, Joe McGee, a guy that comes here all the time, says that if we'll do our part, God will do his part. If we do the natural, God will do the supernatural. We've got to be prepared because if we're not, we're going to fail. And I want to point something out here. This is going to be a, a newsflash, right? Everybody has stuff going on. If you got stuff going on in your marriage, raise your hand. That's everybody in the room's got stuff going on. I don't care who you are. Nobody is exempt from stuff. We got stuff going on with our kids. We got stuff going on with our house. We got stuff breaking. We got job stuff going on. We got marriage stuff going on. I mean, you name it. Everybody has stuff. And nobody in this room is going to get to a point before we bite the dust where we've arrived and we've figured it all out. That that doesn't happen. We've got to prepare. And I don't care if you've been married for 90 minutes or 90 years. There are moments where we need to take time to evaluate and assess the state of our relationship and build. We are constantly building each other up. We're constantly building our relationship up. As we were getting this conference together we, were, we would ask couples, you know, hey, are you coming to the conference? And we would get some responses like, no, I mean, we're good. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, you can still come. Even if your life's not in shambles, you can still come to a marriage conference. And, and they're like, no, we're, we really love each other so much. And we are really doing great. I'm like, well, God bless you. Because I know we need help sometimes. And I don't care how good stuff is going. You don't stop. To, what if a boxer won a giant match, all right, what if he won the biggest match of his life and he just stopped training? What would happen to him? His muscles would get weak and his stamina would go down. If he stopped trying and he stopped pursuing, he might as well quit his career because if you stop trying, you grow weak I don't care how great your marriage is doing. You always need to be pouring into your marriage. You need to be finding great resources and great people to be around. You need to be praying together and seeking God together all the time. There's no let up in a good marriage. There's no let up. You can't stop. I encourage you, continue to pour in your marriage. The fact that you're sitting here tonight is a big pat on the back to you because you know good marriage takes work and you have to prepare because if we don't prepare, we fail. We fail. We know that it takes work. And the reality is, the enemy would love for us to stop developing relationship, even for just a moment. That's all it takes. Because when that happens, his lies seem to make a little bit more sense every single time. When we stop pushing. And he takes us off of the offensive, and he takes us into the defensive, and then eventually we're completely out of the match. And that's where the enemy would love to get us, he'd love to get us out of the ring altogether. And he loves to attack us where we feel the strongest. And this is something I can say personally that I have walked through and that we have walked through as a couple. The enemy loves to attack us where we think we've got it all together. That, that is dangerous ground. But we don't struggle with the connection in our marriage. We're really connected. We don't struggle with lust. We don't struggle with connecting with the Lord. We don't struggle with trust use issues in our marriage. We're good. But the problem is when we start thinking everything is perfect and that we've arrived, we're in big, big trouble. We're in big trouble if that happens. Here's some more truth for you. And this is something that I like to say all the time. And for those of you who have heard it, you're probably sick of hearing it, but I'm gonna keep saying it from now to kingdom come. The moment you think you've arrived is the moment you have instantly not arrived. The moment you think you've arrived is the moment that you have instantly not arrived. Um, a month or two ago, well, actually it was a while back, I don't know, probably a year ago or something, uh, we made friends with this couple and they're awesome. They're some of our, our some of our best friends now. It was really cool how the Lord brought us together. But anyway, uh, they're from Louisiana and they, they feed us all kinds of awesome food and that's really, you know, it was really easy to be their friends at first because of that. But I'm kidding. You can laugh. It's okay. It's a joke. Ha 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 ha. I'm not, if I start eating at your house, you're gonna be like, Zach's just your friend because he ate with us. It's, no. But anyway, so we became good friends with him. And the husband was really into this UFC fighting stuff. Are you guys familiar with that? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, cool, I guess. It's like boxing, but like way more hardcore. And like, it's not for the faint of heart. And I'm like, yeah, man, whatever. That's cool that you like that. And then he, uh, he was like, so what, when we were first becoming friends, he was like, hey man, why don't you come over to the house and I'm gonna get this fight. And it was like, hundred bucks or something like that to rent the fight. I'm like, I will never take this up as a hobby ever. That's a, that's a darn expensive. I'm going to go play with like some pixie six or something like this is too expensive for my taste. But like, anyway, he rents the fight. I go over there and I'm like, whatever. I'm just gonna go spend time with him because I'm his buddy and I don't care anything about this stuff, but I'm going to go watch this fight with him because I'm going to spend time with. So anyway, so I go over there and you know what? I, I was like, this is pretty cool. I was like, my testosterone levels felt much higher at the end of that night than they did before for whatever reason. But like, because I never really got into boxing or anything like that. So this was all new to me. This is all a big thing. And I'm like, he's educating me on it or whatever. So we kind of get into it. Well, then a couple months ago, there was this fight. And it, it was really um, touted. It was a big fight. It was like the fight for the ages. And it was, it was two gals. It was the female uh, part of the league. Um, and there's this chick named Ronda Rousey. You guys ever heard of her? Yeah, don't watch her Hardee's commercial. It's really bad. That's not good. Turn the TV off if you see a Hardee's commercial. I'm not kidding. All right, here's the deal. Um, she is undefeated. She was undefeated. Never, never, never been beaten because that's what undefeated means. Um, but all this hype was happening, and basically every press conference that you watched with this fight was about how Rousey was just going to mop the floor with this other chick. But this other chick was like, mm, no. I'm I'm gonna take your belt from you and you're gonna like it. Like I'm just gonna take I'm gonna take it from you and that's the deal. So it was a lot of hype going on. Pretty much everybody though was like, Oh, bless your heart, sweetheart. Rousey's gonna she's gonna hurt you really badly. And and it was just like, you know, Rousey was expected to win and she was so convinced that she had it all together. But here is what actually happened, and if you don't like fighting, probably don't watch this clip because This is what happened. Bill, you care to give us a little sound there? Awesome. That's what happened. The one on the right falling down is Rousey. And that is her being completely knocked out cold. Watch it again. And there you go. And she's down and she is out. That is what happened in actuality in this fight. Rousey got knocked out in under, I think, three minutes or something like that. It was absolutely ridiculous. How quickly Holly Holm knocked her out. And she was basically a nobody. I mean, like, Holly Holm's an up and comer in a league. Don't you love my knowledge of UFC now? It's, it's weird. You can go home and say, my pastor likes UFC. He's a weirdo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, like, the deal is, Rousey thought she'd arrived. And that's why she's laying on the mat at the end of that video. She assumed that she had the win. She assumed because of her knowledge and maybe her education and maybe because of her qualifications or the stuff that she had going on in the natural, it made her assume that she was going to go in there and mop the floor with this little up-and-comer. And then she got knocked out cold. The minute we stop fighting, the minute we assume we've got it all together, we are losing the fight. We've pulled down our dukes, and we're going to lose. We cannot Do that. If we get to a point where we think our decisions are better or our strategy in life is better and we stop depending on God and we start depending on us, the next thing you know, we're in a heap on the ground on the mat. We have got to constantly and passionately keep our dukes up, leaning on each other, knowing that this relationship that you have with your spouse is the best prize that any of us could ever ask for in life. The person sitting next to you is a gift From God, Look at your spouse and say, you're a gift from God. You are a gift from God. I don't know about you, but my goal in marriage is to win. I want to win at marriage. I don't want to fake my way through it. I don't want to halfway get done and, and have a mediocre marriage. I'm not interested in a mediocre marriage. And we don't serve a God that's interested in anything mediocre. So why should we settle for a mediocre marriage and just to get through? I want to be a couple that finishes the race strong and provides hope to hopeless couples and to be a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. I want to be a winner, and that takes effort. It takes us putting up our dukes and rolling up our sleeves and being intentional about what God has called us to in marriage. You have to make a decision as a couple to win. You have to do it together. can't just be one of you wanting. Both of you have to try. Both of you have to try, and you're going to win. Here's something I've noticed in this life, and I'm not terribly old, but I've I've been around the block enough to see this in my life, and it's that winners grunt and losers gripe. Winners grunt and losers gripe. But my spouse won't fill in the blank. But my husband, he said da-da-da-da-da. But my wife, she always... My spouse doesn't try, and my spouse does this, and my spouse does this, and, well, we just don't have this, and we don't have that. And all you're doing when you gripe is lose. You're never going to win if all you're doing is griping. Every single couple that Bethany and I have ever met with that's struggling fit the bill in this area. The couples that made it started grunting it out, and they started working, and they started pursuing each other. And they stopped griping, and they stopped whining, and they started to handle life. And sometimes that looks like one spouse doing their part. You know, sometimes you got to do it. you got to do it yourself sometimes. you got to get the ball rolling. you got to be the bigger person sometimes. We've all been in that boat. Maybe you got to grind it out while the other one gets their head out of their rear and, and does what they're supposed to do. But rather than whining and griping like a loser does, Let's grunt it out and do our part. Say, I'm going to do my part. I've got to do my part. And Bethany's got to do her part. If our marriage is going to work, we say all the time, something that we tell couples all the time, when our marriage was falling apart and when stuff was really going badly, we went through this deal where I would try really hard to make our marriage great, and she wouldn't try, and then I was like, forget it. And then she'd start trying really hard to make our marriage great and to build a relationship, and I was done. And one of the things that the Lord taught us through that phase as we look back on it is we both gotta try at the same time. Couples, I wanna encourage you, try at the same time. Don't make your spouse do all the work. You do your part. Start doing your part and watch what God does. Both of you, start doing your part and watch what God does. God will always do his part. He always will. Stop griping and start Grunting, stop whining and start winning. Stop losing and start leaving a legacy. That's what God has called us to do. One of the cool things, we read the story about Adam and Eve where Satan immediately attacks relationship. One of the cool things, though, about that, that we know happens, we flip to the end of the book, we see Jesus come along and he restores relationship with the Father. And so even in Adam's, Adam and Eve's messing up and even in them completely screwing up what God had, had given them, There was a way out, and and relationship has now been restored. We We have a way through Jesus Christ for relationship. God made a way for us. Even though we mess up, God provides a way out for us, and there's still hope. Relationship can be restored wherever you're at, no matter what you're battling, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how bad it is. This stuff is real. You guys have walked in here, and you're dealing with real stuff, but no matter how bad it is, God is about restoration. I say it all the time. God, re- God invented restoration. Amen? And it's what we're called to is to win and to try and to push and to put up our dukes and fight it out and have a great marriage. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to fight. And, and Lord, you don't just give us the opportunity to fight. You give us all the tools that we need to win. And we read it from your word. We saw it in your word, Lord. You give us everything that we need in order to win. And so, Lord, um, I pray that we would pick up the tools that you've given us and use them. God, that we wouldn't be somebody that's a doofus and sees all this that you've done for us and we just leave it all out on the table. But, Lord, let us be smart and vigilant. And, God, teach us to fight even when it's tough and even when it's difficult to push through. God, give us your strength and give us your ability to do that. So, God, for all the couples in this room, They need to put up their dukes right now. I pray that you'd hold their arms up. God, you're fighting with us as we fight. And so, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are doing a mighty work in all these couples' lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.